Welcome to the Financial Planners Southeast Asia podcast, a show dedicated to driving the positive evolution of financial advice, specifically within Southeast Asia. To join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. Welcome to the first ever episode of the XY Advisor Southeast Asian Podcast. Gwen here, and today I am with a financial advisor that, because of his passion for the mission, has inspired me to join the cause of you know, spreading financial literacy to our generation. And so that's why I thought that it was only fitting that he would become my first ever guest for this podcast. I'd like to introduce to you um, my partner in crime, <laughs> Ray Christian Haka. Hi, Christian. Hey, Gwen. Thank you for having me here. Oh, thank you for being here as one of my uh, first ever, you're my first ever guest here in this podcast. So um, as you, as I mentioned earlier, I'm really glad that you're here because you're the one who inspired me to dive deeper into, you know, financial literacy and also spreading what I've learned to other people who need it as well. Um, basically, fellow Filipinos, especially in our generation. So my first question is, because I know all about this, but I'd like our listeners to to get to know you more too. So you're a financial advisor right now, but you had a very different career prior to that. So what was your career before being a financial advisor? Yep, my first ever career was being a call center agent. And um, my role was to help customers who were, located in the United States with technical issues with their cable service. And then I've been there for almost a decade and halfway through that, I was promoted to become a team leader. All right. And so that's that's actually very different from becoming a financial advisor. So what actually prompted you to get into financial advice? That's quite a story to tell personally. For me, Gwen, because the main reason that I'm so passionate about fin- financial education and financial planning is because of a personal experience that my family went through. Um, I lost my mom and dad when I was 19 years old only, and they both were, it was because of cancer for the both of them. And at that time, of course, you can only imagine the immer- emotional turmoil that me and my siblings had to go through. But on top of that, we also had the financial stability challenge because, you know, you here you are, you're just a college student and all of a sudden you lost your parents who was supporting you. So yeah, yeah. that prompted me to unfortunately um, stop my studies and take yeah. on that job as a call center agent. All right. I know that that was a, that must have been a very difficult time because you were 19 and your your parents um unlike in other countries um where uh, when you get into college you're the only one supporting yourself um you're the one paying your your attrition fees here in the philippines most of the time it's the parents who 
pay for for everything, right? Um, they pay our tuition fees. They feed us. We're still living in their house. So, and I know what you mean because I also lost my dad very early on, um, in my twenties when I was twenty years old as well, and it was very difficult because aside from you know having to deal with as you said the the loss of of losing your parent um we also had to suffer the loss of losing the breadwinner in our family so i also had to um stop well not really stop but i also had to um change the direction of of my life and to start working and become the breadwinner for our family as well now and and i guess that's why we share the same passion because i know we know the both of us know that this isn't or the the thing that we've experienced is what every or most filipinos do experience as well they've experienced loss of the breadwinner and they had to um, change their whole lifestyle their family went into debt they had to take on loans sometimes they had to take on loans through like loan sharks which were which had really high interests and they never get really got out of the rat race now because of that experience that you had and you became a financial advisor how did you start out because i know that it must have been very difficult to transition because you were working in the bpo industry um and you've settled because i know you from before and i know that you've settled down somewhat as be being a manager but then you had this sort of um change in your career and you decided to become a financial advisor what it was it an easy transition for you or how did you manage to transition at all definitely not an easy transition because um they're totally different things but there are things that i've learned as a manager that i was able to apply as a financial advisor mm -hmm. since um there's a stigma here in the philippines that when you're a financial advisor or even a real estate um advisor you you're just one of those sleazy salesperson that that's <laughs> annoying you know yeah. so um as pushing manager, products exactly so as a manager i was able to use my training to um as a coach to not just push products to my clients but mm. also to you know probe first and find out what exactly is the right type of financial plan for them and it was still quite difficult because there no you know even if i have this coach approach when i'm interacting with my clients you, you can never deny that in this business there's really sales involved in it which i have yeah. no zero experience of yeah. so so as, as you can imagine that i i had to learn the hard way to overcome mm -hmm. my fear of rejection because you will go through yeah. a lot of that yes in fact yeah. uh, the ratio here in what we always train the new newly hired financial advisors is that mm -hmm. it's a nine out of ten rejection offer so um it's that could for me personally was the most difficult yeah. thing to go through definitely so out of all the 10 people that you reach out to only one can be your potential client. Now, 
And that's one of the things that are intimidating here uh, to become a financial advisor, right? Like a lot of people actually aspire to become financial advisor, but only a few um, actually remain in the industry after like about two to three years. So you've been in this industry for three years now. How did you like manage to grow, not only like grow your client base, but, you know, get out of your comfort zone, um, basically become a better financial advisor? Like, how did you do that um, with zero initial experience with sales? I would say a lot of luck came into play. (laughs) Uh, Partly the reason why I'm here at this stage now. But when I say luck, it's really about having enough preparation so that when opportunity comes, you're ready to grab it. So Ah. it's all about doing everything that you can on your part, Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, study up on all the products that your company offers, study up Mm -hmm. all about what you can on financial, proper financial planning. And then Mm -hmm. when you interact with a client or a potential client, then you get to share everything that you know. And at that point, all you can do is hope that they they find <laughs> it, it's right for them. And then they would yeah. go with or hire you as their financial advisor. All right, right. And like mentioning that, do you already have like a niche of or uh, a specific demographic with regards to the clients that you're currently reaching out right now? Yep. Um, Having worked in the call center industry for quite a long time, maybe about a decade, most of my clients are coming from there. So their demographic is, you know, just basic pay here in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So they really can't afford all the best or the the coverage that they truly need, but Mm -hmm. more of the minimum um, coverage that my company can offer. So, mm-hmm. but at least it gets them started in their financial journey. It gets them to in the habit of investing and also saving, and mm-hmm. more importantly, getting insurance to secure their family. So, um, of course, I keep in touch with them just to mm-hmm. make sure that if there there are any changes to their situation, we can act accordingly and change their financial mm-hmm. plan, maybe improve, uh, upgrade it, so mm-hmm. that they can have better coverage and all that. Mm-hmm. All right, that's very interesting. So you chose um, a demographic that is similar to um, to yourself, to how you were before you became a financial advisor, right? So um, someone who works, uh, a millennial who works in the BPO industry. Mm-hmm. And that's also very interesting that you, you mentioned that you keep in touch with them because here in the Philippines, just to give a little background of the our listeners who are not from the Philippines, here in the Philippines, um, it's more on a commission basis. And we generally start off with offering insurance. And then we don't really provide our clients continued support, right? So after we make a sale with them, um, they usually just not really go their separate ways, but they don't have like this regular meetings um, with their financial advisor. So for you, you actually 
take the time to check up on your previous clients, see how they're doing, and then check if they're right on track with their financial, um, with their personal finance, and then up them as you go or provide advice. Now, I think that this is a very wonderful way to build a relationship. And it's like, I, I'm not sure if this is how you thought about it, but is is it because, um, so you chose this, is it, is the reason why you chose the demographic because you wanted to become like their lifelong financial partner? Well, uh, personally, I didn't really consciously choose this demographic, but it's more of the network that I, you know, I already had when I started mm -hmm. as a financial advisor. So naturally, the first people that I reached out were, were my colleagues in the call mm -hmm. center company. And then, of course, it also, it, that's one of the most important thing as a financial advisor, even if um, here in the Philippines, there's really no um, rule for us to obligate financial advisors to keep in touch with their clients but yeah. that's how you stand out as a financial advisor where you're mm. you just have to be truthful you for you uh, on your advice to them to your clients and then you make sure that not just don't get that sale but also make sure that their their um their status is always um on track mm. so um, it's not just beneficial for clients, but also for yourself, because it is through this um, extra service that <laughs> yeah. you you build your credibility and your reputation. And in fact, um, at this point uh, in my, my career as a financial advisor, the clients that I've been getting lately, I think started some point in my second year, are referrals. So it's, ah. it's much easier for me now. All right. Yes, exactly. And I think um, that's one way of really building your client base, right, is to maintain your integrity and to make sure that um, you're, you're providing everything for, um, for the benefit of your clients. And in turn, they will, they're going to help you by referring you to their friends or their family because you provide such great customer service. Exactly. Now, yes, and, and I agree. And I think this is actually one of the reasons why I really wanted to start this um, podcast uh, to share these best practices because um, I know that there are people like you who do like extend above and beyond what is required. Um, but I know that there are people who actually don't really know what to do, especially those who are just starting out in the industry or um, thinking about doing it full time, but are not sure yet. And that's, I think, one of the best ways that they can really think about if they want to expand, um, grow their client base. It's just to have really great customer service and to provide their clients um, what they really need in order to secure their financial future. And leading up to that would be my question is how do you, aside from, you know, providing excellent customer service, how, what are the other steps that you do to grow your client base? The other 
thing that I found effective is social media presence. You're marketing through social mm-hmm. media. Yeah. Um, mainly, I use Facebook. I'm not really into other social media yet because, um, you know, it's it's not that natural for me to just post pictures in Instagram. But <laughs> yeah. Um, having said that, while I'm only using Facebook alone, I still get a lot of people, you know, suddenly chatting me up out of nowhere mm-hmm. and inquiring <laughs> yeah. about, you know, the products that my company offers. Mm-hmm. And that's a really great thing because sometimes, you know, um, for someone like me who's not really into posting stuff in social media, um, yeah. it can be, I, I might feel lazy at times to, you know, <laughs> to stay consistent in um, posting. Um, posting and about financial planning. But yeah. it, it's it's really important because, you never know who's looking, even though you don't get a lot of reactions. But um, there are definitely people who will remember you that you're a financial advisor. Yeah, right. And I'm glad that you mentioned that, that when sometimes when you post, no one ever like comments or like uh, like your, your post. Um, and that actually, I know that some financial advisors get really discouraged about that that's why they stop using social media as a means to uh market their expertise is because no they feel like um their posts are not getting enough attention but it's good that you mentioned that um even if people don't really react to your post it it kind of um cements the idea in their mind that you are a financial advisor so that when they do realize that they need financial advice or they need insurance or they need any of those services that you offer, you're the first thing in their mind. Exactly. So think of it like uh, like you, you're, you, you're letting people know that your store is open. Like there's a lot of people going inside mm. malls, right? But yeah. it's not every store that you, when you pass by a store, Uh, most of the time you don't go inside because you don't need anything from that store at the moment yeah but exactly at least when they you know when they keep on passing by that area where your store is at they remember that this is where to get the you know for example um hardware stuff or uh, maybe beds or something like that in the department store so when the time comes at some point in their life where they have that need of whatever product you're offering in this, in my case, financial advice, then you're their go-to person. All right. Yeah. That's actually a really, really great analogy. Um, So people that are in the department store. So for someone who doesn't really um, care for rugs, but they keep seeing this store that sells rugs and only rugs, especially um, those uh, specialty stores, um, they see that they're really good rugs, but they don't really get inside. But then one day they realize that they actually need rugs. That's the first store that they go to when they come inside the mall because you know they know that you offer this service and that you're still offering this service. You know your store isn't closed. So I really like that analogy that being active or having um, an active social media presence gives people the idea that your store or your services are still open. And 
yeah so yeah that's a that's actually a really great pro tip if i may say so now do you have any um strategies that you can share with us and how to um acquire more clients through social media yep um it's uh there's two types of marketing that i sort of do in facebook so one is marketing my company so I schedule that like every Wednesday that I share something that my company offers, any features mm -hmm. or a new type of product. But two out of you know uh, the seven days in um, in the week, I make sure to market myself mm. because I think that is more important. Because in this um, career, it's about building relationship and the trust with your clients so that mm. they. You're, to make sure that you're the, you're the person that they go to and they refer your friends to. So that's why I make sure that um, I post positive things in Facebook. I, I tend to avoid uh, political and controversial topics and <laughs> right. you know just make sure that I'm setting good vibes to people and of course giving value by educating them with short quotes about financial planning and all that and mm -hmm. motivational um, um, quotes. All right. Oh, so, okay. So let me get this straight. In a week, you post like what, five to seven times uh, oh, a week? It, it can, there, there are posts that I do spontaneously, but I also uh, make sure, but I do have a scheduled like post that uh, I, okay, okay. I make sure that I do every week, which is, um, for example, every m Mondays and Saturdays, I post, I post something about myself or something motivational. Mm -hmm. And then every mm -hmm. Wednesdays, that's when I offer, um, share, share something from my company. Oh, all right. So basically you have a schedule for at least three days in a week. Um, two of which are uh, you. So like a post that would enable your um, followers or your friends to get to know you better. And then you also have a post on Wednesday educating your followers or friends with regards to your company and what you're offering. Am I right? Exactly. Yes. Oh, all right. So what I got from that is you actually have a schedule that you follow with regards to posting social media, and you also have um, a theme that you generally do. And then the rest of the posts are just spontaneous. So that's, um, that's also one thing. And, and you mentioned that that kind of formula works for you, right? Yep. I've had like more than one or two clients who existing client who reached out to me because they saw my post. So I would say it works. All right. That's great. That's great. And oh, okay. So I really wanted to ask this because we are um, talking now during or starting this podcast during the pandemic. I'd like to ask which was better for you in terms of like the business atmosphere? Did you get more um, turnaround with clients when you were doing face-to-face -face meetings or is the new norm of um, meeting clients through Zoom working out best for you? Oddly enough, I, um. Uh, before I answer that, I know there are a lot of businesses out there that has 
you know, is going through tough times because of this pandemic. Uh, there's lesser traffic, uh, traffic people going out. But ironic, um, oddly enough, the the financial industry, I believe, was or the pandemic was at least good for me because it is so much easier now to reach out to clients through you know online meetings mm -hmm. rather than meeting them out there in a coffee shop or in their house you have to commute one to two hours just to get to the next place yeah and yeah. you know it was really hectic and uh there was a lot more cost to it and from in this during this pandemic people had to learn to even you know people those that were not really tech savvy had to learn yeah to um have a online presence for example mm -hmm. in zoom and other tools but um that enabled me to reach out to my clients a lot more easier because mm -hmm. they're learning how to chat learning how to um set up meetings and all that Oh, yeah, right. Definitely. Because I know that prior to the pandemic, um, meeting virtually, at least here in Cebu that I know, is virtually non-existent. Like nobody wants to meet, uh, do an online meeting, right? But now it's the new normal. Like people would prefer an online meeting versus like meeting in a physical store or in, or in a coffee shop where we usually like entertain or not really entertain but meet with our with with potential clients so that means that this new normal is working well for you and your business because i know that not everyone has um transitioned very well to the new normal. Um, a lot of people are still struggling because they are, um, they really crave for that like human to human touch or, you know, face to face connection. And I know for a fact that you're one of those people that you actually love um, to, you know, physically see and talk to people. And I'm, I'm just curious how you were able to transition so effortlessly from, uh, you know, emotionally, that is to, you know, from um, talking to people, um, having to see them physically to just having to, you know, see them in the screen? Like, was it very difficult for you? Because I know that you mentioned that it was easier for you in terms of time, in, ter in terms of, like, um, expenses but how did that work for you emotionally and how were you able to to transition to that well i have to admit it it wasn't that difficult in that aspect because i still regularly meet people through uh um you know through the online meeting so mm. um and i was kind of quite excited about the fact that i'm getting more clients now oddly enough than ah. i was before so oh, okay. yep uh although i'm a type of person that's really outgoing and love to meet new people and all that um i guess it depends on how active you are when you're reaching out to people because mm, okay. uh, you know you can still connect even through through online and then okay. it's just about focusing on your uh on those meetings rather than getting distracted while someone else is talking and all that so 
Ah, uh, yes, yes, definitely. So I remember uh, one of uh, my friends who are also who was also a financial advisor uh, complained to me one day that um, he didn't really care for Zoom meetings because most of the time when he's um, on a meeting with a client, the client is always distracted because um, you know they're just at home and then their kids are um, bothering them or there's like dogs in the background and like their clients really can't focus so i'm glad that you brought that up that you just have to be present um in in the meeting and also like how do you manage to get your message across to your clients um, and keep their attention to you, by the way. Well, um, you just got to make sure that you're doing less talking and more of the listening. Because mm -hmm. if, you're, if, you're, if you go in that meeting acting as a teacher on whatever you're advocating, then 90% of the time you lose your, you know. You um, lose the point, interest your, of your, your the attention. person you're talking to. Yeah. Exactly. Ah, okay. So I think of it as a um doctor to patient approach when i'm talking mm. to my clients and i think mm. it's the answer to your question that how do you keep them engaged just got to make sure you get you ask them questions to get to know them and mm -hmm. finding out what is the best financial plan for them oh i i love that i i genuinely love that so that means that when you're in a meeting your mindset isn't like i i need to teach them something it's more like i want to get to know them better i want your like you want your clients to open up to you so that they talk more and that their focus is on you and once they're done talking and they're actually invested in your conversation and your meeting that's when you provide them with what they need and what you offer Exactly, right. because I, I think that um, when you provide them with too much details, yeah. then that's when you lose them. So when you're getting to know them and you identify what, you know, the, the most important things that they need to know and you just stick to that, everything else can just follow um, afterwards sometime in the future, then that would make the meeting more meaningful for them and more interesting. All right, all right. So thank you so much for that one, Christian. So I'm, I'm very happy that we were actually able to um, capture um, all these gold nuggets in this podcast because I know that we actually talk about this all the time. Um, I get uh, really great ideas from you as well with regards to connecting to people, but um, I'm very happy that this was caught on record. Now, we're almost done with our time, but I just want to ask about what are your plans and goals for 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 this year 2021? Well, I I would like to get promoted to the next level mm -hmm. in my company. So currently mm -hmm. I'm in the basic role as a financial advisor. So, mm -hmm. um in order to get promoted to senior financial advisor, I have to hit a certain number of clients and a uh, total number of, of commission, which is one of our bases or metric. And then, yep, that, uh, that it's an easy way for me to 
measure how successful I am in this business and how much I've helped people. Ah, all right, right. That's great. And oh, I, I forgot to mention this early on. So I did mention that you were already like three years in in the industry, um, but I forgot to ask how many people have you helped so far um, during those three years? I'm up to my um. Go- it was 25, but I'm actually I actually have two clients um who's almost got their plans um approved. Hopefully everything Ooh. goes well. So that's gonna be 27th. Oh, 27 for this year. And so that's two clients in one month. Yeah. So you must be really doing something right. So I'm, I hope that the people who are listening right now um, will try out the, uh, the tips and the, the suggestions that you've offered uh, earlier because two clients and that's not very easy to do right now or to achieve right now in the pandemic. So Congratulations to you, Christian. And any, like, are there, because I know that you love books, um, you devour books. So I just want to ask any books that you'd like to suggest to our readers, especially readers, to our listeners who are just starting out or who are struggling, um, any books that you can suggest to help them, you know, better themselves with um, with providing financial advice or being a better coach? Like, what are the books that you would mostly like recommend to financial advisors? I would say Unshakable by mm. Tony Ro- Robbins, because mm-hmm. it's not that lo- long of a book, but mm. it has every important thing a person should know and how to come up with an effective financial plan about mm-hmm. compounding, um, the, the power of compounding, mm-hmm. what to avoid when you're um, seeking financial advice, and what are the usual, the best instruments to go to when you're investing. All right, right. And a bonus. So aside from it's a, it's a not so long book. Tony Robbins is actually an easy read. He explains stuff that are really easy to follow. So yes, I would definitely agree with that recommendation. So thank you so much, Christian, for um, being here today, being my first ever guest on the XY Advisor Southeast Asian podcast. And yeah, I hope that I get to chat with you more again on future episodes. For now, bye. Have a good one. Thank you, Grant. Bye. Bye.